right, welcome back to Tip It Out, episode 12. Just finished with the PGA Championship. What a week of golf. Oak Hill was on full display. I love the new renovations. It was awesome. Um, Kepka winning it. Fifth major. Absolutely incredible. Uh, welcome back to the studio. Let's let's get let's dive right into this. Fultz, how we doing? Good, good. Happy to be here. Looking forward to talking about some golf and also playing some golf. Absolutely. Ferrara, how are we doing on this fine evening? Oh, just just chuffed to be here tonight, Matt. Thanks for hosting. Let's uh, toss it around. I, uh, I'm going to start us off with birdies and bogeys. I'm going to be honest, I don't have a bogey this week. It was just a phenomenal just weekend of weather and golf, at least in Michigan, maybe not so much in New York on Saturday. But I think everybody has this as their birdie, or they should, is just Michael Block all around. Club pro, hole in one, qualifies for next year, getting sponsors invites left and right. Just what a story. I mean, this is why we follow golf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of the coolest storylines that like every single person watching at home and was at the tournament was just rooting for the guy. It was cool to see him like he like appreciated the moment while he was in it, but he didn't let it affect him, right? Like he like many times like reflected in interviews after his you know after he made the cut after his third round about this is the best week of my life it's just not gonna get any better than this like i recognize like how awesome this is and then he continues to just ball out and play phenomenal golf stay in the moment make clutch 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 up and downs on 17 from like 120 and fucking on 18 from in the gallery like i don't know that that was truly inspirational stuff that was awesome tugged on everyone's heartstrings I was tearing up a little bit in that fourth round post round interview. Yep. Even just watching him, it's it just it just shows how much that means. You know, he's been in golf for twenty plus years, thirty years even, and it just to finally have that. Not I won't even call it a breakthrough because he wasn't, you know, going for PGA Tour status, but just having it all come together on such a huge stage. Yep. For a little guy like that is awesome. Oh, for sure. And I mean, watching him like talk about what it means to him in in that post-round interview was, was awesome. Like you could tell, you know, if Kepka wins and he's like walking out there, he's like, yeah, this is great. Like, thanks to everybody, you know, another day in the park, but like this, it showed you what it really truly means to some people out there. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, if you're not in the winner's circle every day, it feels great when you, once you finally are close to the winner's circle or in it, you know? So it was cool to see the impact that it had on him because you don't get to see that all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Any uh, any other birdies and bogeys for the week? Yeah, I'll go uh, real quick here. My birdie is just the PGA Championship this week, the four days, just the viewing experience, the storylines, the championship, just overall birdie. Like, that was awesome. What a fun week to watch golf. Mm-hmm. We'll dive in a little bit more about what we think about the PGA Championship as a whole and where it fits into majors and stuff. But uh, Oak Hill was awesome. It was hard. There was some weather on Saturday, which was cool. It was just like, it was cold, you know, Thursday, like you throw everything at these guys um, along with a top, you know, top, top tier challenging course, um, just made for a freaking awesome viewing experience. So absolutely. Uh, bogey would be Corey Connors. Uh, God, did he look so fucking flawless in the first three rounds and, um, the moment kind of the lights are a little too bright 
moment kind of caught up with him. Didn't have his A game on Sunday. Missed a three-footer for a top 10 on 18. Just, like, kind of collapsed. But, you know, um, I hope I hope he takes some positives away from this. I hope, uh, as a very, very big Corey Connors fan, I think there's, there's a, a lot of positives to be taken away from this week. I think he's proven that when conditions and courses get really, really hard, like, his game is made for that. So hopefully we can turn it around in the U S open or something like that later this year. He's got, he's a, one of our friends, uh, Raghu, uh, shout out Raghu. He, he called it, he called Corey Connors, a ball striking robot or as close to a ball striking robot as you can just hits freaking little baby draws. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I think there's some good stuff in store for him in the future, but that's. Oh, absolutely. We just need stuff. to figure out that putting. Yeah. Yep. I think it's funny that we – so Ferrar and I played Windmill on, on Sunday morning, and there's a bunch of Kent State folk at, at Windmill. Obviously, it's you know it's kind of it's their home course. And Ferrar's talking to the starter, and he goes, yeah, as long as he starts with a par, it'll be a good day. you know. And then he misses that, like, 10-footer for par on, on one. <laughs> yeah, not, a, not the start that he was looking for, but – I guess he called it. I guess Ferrar called it. Ferrar called it, yep. Yeah. Um, I'll dive in here. My my birdie for the week is Rory's comeback. Um, love to see love to see Rory on the on the leaderboard. I fucking love that guy. Um, you know, no no cool allegiance or meaning behind it, other than I just like the guy and I like to see him play well. He's fun, you know. Um, Would you call a T seven at the PGA Championship a success for Rory McIlroy? No. Mm, no, not at all. Why, why are you excited to see him finish T7? Why are you so excited to see Corey Connors shit the bed on Sunday? <laughs> Corey Connors is not the number one, the former number one golfer in the world with four major championships. He's uh, he has he has two wins in w- one top six in a major. So I mean, anything or when he when you when you hold a fifty four hole leader, you know, fifty three hole lead because he probably be bogeyed eighteen, right? But. Um, yeah. Pretty pretty big deal. I guess that's that was that was my that's my comeback. What do you got to say? Um, my my comeback to that is my bogey for the week is that I got to make a fucking podcast with Evan Ferrara. Jesus Christ, he's a pain in the ass. Tensions are running hot on this episode, and we're only six minutes in. No, he's gonna point. I was grasping at straws for a birdie this week anyway. So I mean, yeah, big guy. I can't. I couldn't choose Spieth because he sucks, and JT. All of our predictions sucked. So. Yeah. Rom, um, Birdie was just grasping at straws. Yeah. Totally honest. No, it wasn't a great performance by Rory, but I'm just happy that he's he didn't live up to what Evan Jenkins said in the group chat of of watching him like squander a top ten lead or a top ten finish. Yeah. So I was just happy that he was there. To be totally honest, um, yeah. My bogey for the week, um, kind of lame, but Hovland making that double on on sixteen. And not necessarily because I'm, you know, in love with Hovland and I really wanted to see him play well. Obviously, I did, but more just because it kind of ruined the rest of the competition. It was like more about watching block finish and trying to make that up and down than it was, you know, watching the Hovland versus Kepka battle. Because after that, it was kind of over. So yeah, yeah. And I always like seeing a really, really close, you know, round of golf where it comes down to the wire. Maybe there's a playoff. So. And, I'm, and I know everybody could agree with that. So a little bit of a bogey there. Just, you know, it wasn't really a close call, which we'll, we'll dive into in a little bit. But definitely a big-time bogey that he 
I mean, technically a double bogey because he double bogeyed it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it was. I agree with you. It's just like having tournaments come down to the wire is awesome. And then, like, I was glued to my seat all day. Like, I started watching at one or two p.m., mm-hmm. maybe even earlier, and Same. did not did not leave my seat until Hovland made that double. And I was just like, you know what? It's it's over now. I can kind of tune it out. Um, yeah. Yeah. But in terms of Hovland, um, what do, what do you guys think about his you know future major predictions? Do you guys? I'm I'm kind of bullish on on Hovland and majors. He's kind of found something and on the big stage for the most part. He's I think he's top ten in his last you know however many majors that he's played in, uh, like four or five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think he's good. I think he's going to get one done. Maybe not this year, but in you know. Maybe next year or the year after that, he's definitely he's definitely going to be hoisting a, a big old trophy. What I would say about it is, I think he needs more time in the spotlight, and the more time that he has in the spotlight, the better he's going to get at handling it. And then, you know, it's only a matter of time from there. You know, I think that this weekend was a perfect example of that. Right? It wasn't necessarily the pressure of the moment that you know was crushing down on him. His attitude was amazing. His poker face was amazing. Everything we talked about in the breaking eighty was on point for him this weekend. But I think it was just some little mistake, whatever, you know, whatever, whether it was the tee shot or whether it was the, the you know, trying to get out of the bunker as close to the green as he could. It's just that in the, in the moment decision just isn't quite there, you know? And I think with more experience in that moment, he'll, he'll start to get a little bit better. And then, like I said, from there, it's just a matter of time. So I agree. I think, Within the next year, we'll see him definitely contending in, in all the majors for sure. Um, I also think this one fit his game really well too. Uh, he likes that he likes that cut, and he just plays it so well on all of his irons and everything, and all the par three set up well for it. So it was definitely a good time for him. But you know, at the same time, he's he's been there at all the tournaments, right? You know, he's been right up there in the mix, yeah. in, you know, for the last year or so. So yeah, just. I, I truly believe it's just a matter of time until we see him up there, you know? Let me add on to that. So his last three major championships, the uh, 2022 Open T4 was played in the final group, uh, 2023 Masters T7, and now T2 at the PGA Championship in 2023. So he's, you know, three top fives or two top fives, three top tens, Mm -hmm. uh, all in the like top seven places in the last three major championships. I think he's, I think he is going to win a major championship. I think he's got, incredible games he's i think he could be one of the best, top five players in the world in the next year um for sure I, I think he's got the game to do it um i will say i don't think he lost it today i think he played it in or sunday i think he played an awesome round of golf he still he shot 200 par that double hurt but like he was he made he made kepka in my opinion earn it like i thought he played really 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 good golf and got beat and it sucks to make double on on 16 and maybe you can question his decision making and did he try to hit the hero shot instead of the smart shot but um i mean i would argue that that was the safe shot um you just he just had to be more cautious he had to realize it was a hanging lie um and i think that it's it's just what it is there's nothing you could do um cory connors did the same thing on saturday so i'm curious there needs to be a plaque in the lip of that bunker like (laughs) For Corey, not for Hovland. Yeah. Like, <laughs> for both. I, this is where Victor Hovland and Corey Connors hit it. Yeah. 
2020 remasters. It's like, like it's like in the lip of the bunker. That so that if you hit that same shot, it ricochets off the plaque and doesn't get stuck <laughs> in the lip. It doesn't get stuck there, exactly. So, I really wonder, though, I mean, knowing that that happened twice this weekend, I'm really curious to know what it is about that shot that trips them up. Because I don't think the lie is that difficult that it's really the cause of the problem. You know, I think it's, it's just having the ball so you don't realize how far the ball is below your feet. And it's and you, you catch it even a little bit thin and it's coming out like a bullet a yeah. couple inches off the ground. You're trying to pick it clean, so. You're trying, exactly. You're trying to pick it, clean out a bunker, not chunk it, and it's also below your feet, and there's a big lip. I mean, yeah, really hard shot. Um, did they both? Could could you give them each ten balls, and they could probably get it close to the green, and you know, seven or eight of them probably. But um, I think it's just a difficult shot that they both bend it a little bit, you know. So yep, yeah. It, it reminds me of a Matt Fitzpatrick on the 72nd hole at the U.S. Open last year at Brookline. And it, on his approach shot on the 72nd hole, it just like you're like, there's no way he can get this on the green. Like, yep. Lozell Torres, he's gonna win this thing, he's just got to go make birdie or make par. Yep, he's gonna win this. And then he hits this just absolutely incredible shot that just went straight up in the air. I yep. don't know how it missed that lip. Just mm-hmm. and you know, I've you, you got to think if Hovland got it out of the bunker, does he rally behind that one and right possibly I, you know make I, something I happen? Yeah. I guess the next question would be, what's your thoughts on did Hov, you know, the Mac, I think you, you could probably phrase this met better than me, but I like was Brooks crowned the like the major championship by Hovland making double there, or did he, do you think he won it on Sunday? Yeah. Hard to, I think it's, I think, I personally think it's a little bit of both. I think Kepka was looking a little shaky down the stretch. His, his driver was getting a little, little off the planet um irons were still pretty good obviously but you know he, he could have put himself in some pretty sticky situations and with hovland breathing breathing down his neck if he didn't make double yeah. it could have gone completely differently i think kepka hit it to freaking two and a half or like three feet like you know like, yeah exactly like and then kepka goes and hits it to three feet for, for Brady. And, and he took i think the the stat was uh, somebody somebody i think this was like from no laying up he hit by the time kept by the time Hovland finally took his drop and hit, it took Kepka like ten seconds to hit his ball after that. All that happened, so like I think he was ready for that shot. He had a good number. I don't know. I think he hits it. I think he hits it inside five feet. Even if even if Hovland hits a good one out of the bunker, I don't know. I I'm on team Kepka won that thing. Like he wasn't given to him. He played unbelievable. But yeah, I would throw I would throw into the mix that. Um... I don't think the question is necessarily like right in the sense that, you know, Kepka definitely won it, but I think it's more of a statement of, I think Hovland definitely lost it. Um, it's not necessarily like who did he really win it or did he not? Like he definitely won it, but um, I think, I think Hovland definitely lost it. Like Hovland could have been right up there in the mix and giving him a little bit more pressure and this and that, you know, but that double just took him right out of it, you know? So yeah. I don't think it was it was a big question of you know did Kepka like do everything that he could possibly to earn it and like he had to fight for it like no but he still won right he still was ten under or nine under right at the end of the day so you know I think I think it's more of a statement of you know Hovland just needed to stay in it and then it would have been a little bit more um, a little bit more of a of a statement that that Kepka won 
but I think I think Hovland definitely definitely lost it, and 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 Kepka for sure won it. I guess. Yeah. Like, yeah. I see like four birdies in the back nine for Kepka and two bogeys, two under par. Like that. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a phenomenal run of golf. Major championship going to make four birdies on a tough ass course, you know, on, on the back nine. It's like I mean, he just—he's such a solid player. Like his just his, across the board, his game, like his tempo doesn't change. It's crazy how he plays golf. It's awesome to watch. But yeah, you know, and, and Hovland, Hovland, Hovland was right there with him all day. If you watched him play, it was like you know Kepka would hit it to ten feet, and then Hovland would hit it to ten feet, and they would you know tap it in. So it was it was clearly a battle all day until sixteen. It was it was, yeah, I, I I feel like the shot on sixteen that Hovland had, like like you said, it's a battle. It's a one mono mono Kepka versus Hovland. Yeah, not really anybody else was challenging, so to speak. Like it was going to be one of those two. And then a rogue arrow from a battle way off from who knows where right. just came and hit Hovland right in the heart. Yeah. Like he, just nobody saw it coming. And, and Kepka's like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll just stab him a couple more times and just take this trophy. <laughs> yeah. Stab him a couple more times. Exactly. That's kind of what, that's what he did with that wedge shot in there. So, uh-huh. so, I mean, it would be a different story if Kepka ended like, double double and he was right on the edge of winning then i'll be like okay he wasn't he didn't really earn that like he played like shit on the way in you know like he probably would have lost if hovland didn't double it you know that kind of thing but it was like he was already you know that was a three that was a four shot swing on that hole right he birdied it and hovland doubled it so it was a four shot swing so it was like okay it's not like he played like trash on the way in you know like he played really well all day he clearly earned it it's just hovland just you know it's yeah. just golf. It's just golf for you. It always happens, right? So. Yep. I mean, and to to you mentioned his uh his tempo, like his demeanor on the golf course, your Kepka's folds, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it it reminded me of the Masters, and he you know he was in the final group this year at the Masters as well, and he was complaining all around about the pace of play, and just how slow it was, and everybody's playing slow. You know what's going on, and I think. They mentioned on the broadcast a little bit, but you could also see it like he was taking his time, especially like around the greens, like where he knew he could take his time to slow it down so that he wasn't waiting. Like he just managed his pace of play so much better. Mm -hmm. Um, And do you think and and how much also follow up question to that is, you know, right. This was another tournament second year. They've had rangefinders allowed at the PGA championship. And for those Mm -hmm. that don't know, it's there's no rangefinders allowed in PGA tour competitions but for this one tournament a year at the professional level this is where rangefinders are allowed and yeah. how much did that play a factor in just pace of play and getting up to you know brooks's speed of lightning fast yeah i i think it helped it it definitely helped what the leaders played in four hours and five minutes the masters was like over five hours i mean granted i don't think all of that you know that's not there's not one variable that's causing that change cha- pace of play change but i think it probably saves every golfer 30 seconds, 20 to 30 seconds on each shot. I mean, like, instead of having to, okay, pull up my yardage book, I, from this sprinkler head, I have 130. So let's pace off to that sprinkler head. Okay. So it's 130 to the front. The pin's 10 paces on and five paces to the right. So now it's, it's 40 yard. It's a 40 yard shot. So, or 140 yard shot. So just like not having to worry about that probably is probably going to save like 20 to 30 seconds for every golfer on every shot. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I could be wrong, but I also think side point here that 
you know how Brooke, everyone's asking Brooks, what was your mentality change? You always, you said that you found something after the masters. What was that? And he didn't give it any way. I think it had to do with how he approached pace of play. I think that was, that was the secret. I think he walked slower to his ball. I think he controlled the pace of play rather than letting the groups in front of him control the pace of play, right? Like he, he controlled his, the time he took on each shot and the time he took him to walk to each shot. And just so it made it so that he could still, once he got his number, hit the shot as quickly as he wants. It was just, you know, it took the waiting game of like, Oh, I have to hit this 150 yard shot and I have to wait two, two or three minutes to hit it. It was like, I'm going to take my time before I, you know, pick my, the shot I want to hit. And then when I, when I, when I pick the shot I want to hit, I can hit it at my speed. I, I don't know. I could be wrong, but that, that felt like, Maybe that was his his little secret sauce there for the PGA. Yeah, and it also looked like over like the even like those like tap ins like he was you know he's walking around it scoping it out may not be because he was reading the green but also like hey if I take a little bit more time here tapping this putt in then when we get to the tee box I could just go you know yeah, like exactly it was just taking time where he can and it it it, it worked well he won the championship there you go. I think I think for your biggest point there was his control over everything. I think that was the biggest thing for him, like with regards to the pace of play, and it, it's the same thing with regards to the to the distances, right, and the range finders. It's a control thing. It's you're more confident in your number, so you can you can make a decision a little bit faster. So, you know, obviously the range finders is going to speed things up, but there's probably going to be some people out there that are like, well, it's not authentic, you know, PGA Tour golf and all this stuff, which is kind of fair because it's not but at the same time you go you're just giving them something they're going to find out anyway so it's like is that really that big of a deal right it's not like you know it's not like slope where they you know have to they're never going to figure that out it's always kind of a guess you know i feel like it's it's a number they all know it's just saving the time of doing the math you know what i mean you know walking Uh, off a 30 paces to the sprinkler head or doing some pythagorean theorems (laughs) yeah exactly you just don't need to do all the crunch all the numbers but yeah. With regards to that control, Kepka absolutely had that control, and they were talking about it. He was tapping a little, a little short, like one footer on some par three, right where the where the, the the group in front of them is still in the middle of the fairway on the next tee, or on the next hole, and he's like, you know, taking his time. What I think is interesting about that is we kind of talked about that in the in the Breaking Eighty podcast about attitude. Is it's sometimes better to disassociate yourself in between shots so that you can focus on your shot a little bit better. You know, instead of like running your mind all the time, you kind of, you have a shot and then you're not playing golf, you know, even though you're, you're just walking to your ball, but in your mind, you're not playing golf, you know? Um, and it seemed like that disassociation was, was really good. Whether that, that is something he figured out after the masters, I have no idea, yeah. but he definitely looked in control and had control over, you know, where and when he was going to hit his ball. Uh, and that that is just so important when you're playing golf. You know, he didn't he didn't look rushed. You know, like he didn't look like he was trying to play up to anybody else. Yeah, um, yeah. He looked, you know, and that's, geez. I mean, you could, if you could find that quality two days beforehand, somehow, you'll know you'll be able to predict any winner ever. <laughs> you know, I mean, that quality is crazy. I mean, if you they're, have they're, everybody in that field is good enough to win the tournament as yeah. proven by Michael Block. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, having that mentality, you know, that's that's the difference between finishing t- T20 and, and winning is yeah. just 
knowing having that confidence having that ability to control the controllables mm-hmm. and and here's a good good contraster right somebody else who's been really good with that control john rob you know this for the last year or so he's been running the game on the poker face side of things he looks when he's out there playing golf he looks like he looked like kepka on sunday he looked like nobody could touch him right you know but you get to this tournament and what he was plus six or something on saturday attacking microphones right so it just goes to show that it's like it's a quality that um it's kind of like the game itself where it's like when you have it you're never going to lose it but if you don't have it, you feel like you're never going to get it back, you know? So it's that, that control is, is, was a great quality that Kepka had on, had on set on Sunday for sure. And I feel like he had it the entire tournament, but it's a little bit harder to see when there's not as much pressure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know uh, thinking about this course block hill. Uh, sorry. In my notes, it says block hill. Um, Oak hill. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the restoration, I know they were going all over it on the broadcast. Absolutely spectacular. That course just shot up the bucket list. Never going to get on it, but who knows. Um, <laughs> but I do want to pose one question real quick. Uh-huh. What do you think you'd make on hole six? Oof. No warm-up straight out of the car. <laughs> what are you making? Um, um, let me pull up. Let me pull up the the stat. I'm pulling it up right now. It played. I think it played on Sunday, or it played close to almost a stroke over par. Yeah, I mean, I'm if I make bogey, I'm gonna play as a par five, and if I make a five, like fuck yeah, like that's gonna be sweet. But mm-hmm. with how thick the rough is, like Jesus, dude, I don't know. I don't know. I think I, I think I can make five. I don't think I can make four. <laughs> but uh double <laughs> double is very very in play 100 percent. i would i would agree with you i'd play for the five yep hit 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 driver maybe maybe three wood Lay play it maybe maybe across the creek or just to the end of the creek and yep. get it on two putt like even if you hit the rough, golf yeah if you hit it in the rough like even if i hit a bad drive into the rough like if i could just advance it into the fairway and get myself a wedge like i i feel like i can make bogey <laughs> yeah but on uh, the off chance make a 10 15 footer for par right um exactly so dude that hole is uh, tough as hell i i I saw like early in the week it was playing as one of the hardest holes in major championship golf history like um like relative relative to par um i don't know if i ever want to play oak hill like i don't know if i just want to go get like my teeth punched in like i think it was fun to watch and i love watching the best golfers in the world you know struggle around it but (laughs) would i have fun going and shooting 85 (laughs) there i don't i don't know it was it's awesome. like it was one of those courses you know you watch these pga spots like 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 bay hill for example like i've played it and i'm like i'm i honestly am surprised when the pros go there and they they only shoot you know eight to 12 under par though the winner does yeah and it's you know it's like it doesn't look that hard and something like obviously it's hard but you know they don't make it look that hard oak hill looked hard Yes. Even even without pros playing it, like it looked yeah. hard. Mm-hmm. By the way, my uh, my two cents on hole number six, I would probably make an eight, but I would have all the all the proper mental capacity to to, to par it. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna try to take a three iron off the tee and just you know fairway green it, uh, but I'd probably you know end up pulling that into the left trees and then punching out and then scalling one over the back of the green, high flop, three putt. Um, 
I know how it would be. I know I've seen that movie before. I know how it would go. So I know exactly <laughs> what I would shoot, but I know my Tim Cuppin it. He's, put, he's, he's, put, he's putting three balls in the in, in, in Allen's Creek. <laughs> I'll make a little donation, then I'll go walk off with my six. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that was I kind of want to pose the question. Let me let me give some context before it. Um so I have two couple of statistics I want to give you guys. So Kepka's career thus far in majors, 14% win percentage. And this is from Jamie Kennedy on Twitter. I want to give him a shout out. Um, he has a 14% win percentage, 25% of his career major starts. He's finished in the top three, 39% top five, 50% top 10 in majors. Just to put that in perspective, Jeez. Tiger Woods, when he was the same age as Brooks Kepka, 27% wins per, per, uh, win percentage versus what was what I say, 14 or 18? 14. Yeah. Um, 42% top three, 48% top five, 56% top 10. Um, just where, like, wow. Explain, I, I guess I, I want you guys to like debate or, or talk about where does Kepka, his run that he's on, that he's been on, where does he rank amongst the all time greats? Like, where do you see him as an all time great? Does this validate him as an all time great player? Yes. Yes. And I'll say yes. uh, Also, because of the other stat that Rory, he passed up Rory in in all time majors as well. Um, I think that like that alone states all you need to know, really. You know, I mean, he's on a tear. Sorry. What? Just just to add on to it, I guess, like. Obviously, his major career record speaks for itself. It stacks up against Tiger's major career record up to this point. That's that's unbelievable. Um, Mm -hmm. But his lack of tour and other professional wins holds him like may does that hold him back or is it yeah or does his major championship record solidify him as one of the greats you know that's 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 where i kind of that's where i was kind of leaning towards is i wouldn't say he's an all-time great um but i would definitely he's a 100 a hall of fame golfer yeah after this win undebatable i i don't see him as an all-time great because you have to look back it's it's a he just doesn't have the just the normal wins to back it up. And granted, he's always said like you know in the majors I'm going to you know it's a different mentality. I'm yeah. I'm gonna you know he just didn't he didn't have that in just normal wins, which I think is also important. There's still they still count towards something, right? So I I agree. I think um yeah he's gone out and said that he thinks major championships are the easiest to win, and that was the most badass fucking thing to to say just because he thinks half the field are going to get too nervous. The other half are going to make mistakes coming down the stretch. And he really only has to beat 15 guys or 20 guys to, to win a major championship, which is just – And he backs it up too. He backs it up. And I don't know, there's something to be said about playing your best golf when it matters the most as like a – as a um, factor in being an all-time great. And I don't know if anyone other than Tiger can like – and a couple other guys can say that you know, I play my best golf in major championships and it's like obvious. He has, he has five major championship wins and four PGA tour wins. So he's more majors than he does have PGA tour wins. Mm-hmm. There's two live events, which, you know, asterisks. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I think he may, like, uh, there's a lot of good points about when you look back at people's career, major championships matter. It's like, it's like, it's like, 
it's like NBA championships versus regular season wins almost. Yeah. I, I, maybe not quite to that level because winning on a PG, on the PGA Tour is still unbelievably hard, but championships matter, and <laughs> that dude's got five of them. Um, mm-hmm. I, I put him up there with the greats, and his Chris far from over. Um, yeah. There was, I, I, go ahead. Please add some comments while I pull up the next stat. You're good. I was just going to say I, I totally agree. I think I can see the argument that, like, the normal tournaments definitely matter. Um, cause like to be a great, you have to have your overall dominance, right? Like Tiger Woods was just dominant for years and, and it didn't matter what he has, term- he has three, hall, he has three or four hall of fame careers. Tiger right. Was- right. It's just, and it didn't matter what you found him in. He was going to win. You know what I mean? So I think there's some testament to be like, okay, well, to be one of the greats, you kind of have to be dominant across the board. Right. Um, but at the same time you go with that mentality, you know, and that, and that kind of drive to win, you know, the the tournaments, the biggest tournaments of the year, there's there's a level of respect there that makes me think, you know, okay, well, you know, he's still he's still one of the greats, you know, like he's he's definitely got something that a lot of other golfers don't, um, you know, and that that I'm not saying that that's one to one with somebody like Tiger Woods, but you can definitely put him on, you know, somewhere on that list. Um, of of being one of the greats just because of his his mentality when he's in the the majors. I mean, it's it's yeah. unmatched. It's unmatched. He, he does have. He truly has the Mamba mentality, like the Michael Jordan killer. Like I don't know. It's I I know a lot of people don't like him and think he comes across as a, as a dick, but like I do actually like like him and at least respect the hell out of him and like try to like in college. I would we watched him win you know back to back PJs, back to back US Opens while we were in college, and I was like. I want to be like that guy. I want to like have no, you know, have that killer instinct, have show no emotion. Like the way that he goes about like carrying himself in major championships was like something I looked up to and tried to replicate. So mm-hmm. uh, the, the other statistic, so they data golf posted this and it's, they, they kind of titled it major outperformers and major underperformers. So what they did is they showed your strokes gained, cumulative in PGA tour events versus your strokes gain cumulative in majors. So if, if you are, if your strokes gain in PGA tour events is higher than your strokes gain in majors, then you're a major underperformer, right? Like you underperform in majors relative to your PGA tour starts, you know, vice versa, your major outperformer, your strokes gain. Um, Kepka in majors has plus 2.27 uh, strokes gained in, in his major career and on his P, the PGA tour career. Um, Plus 0.9 strokes gained. Uh, okay, I mean, it, just, it just puts into perspective, like, dude comes to play when it when when major championships are are on the line, and that's just a. I thought a really cool graph that I want to look into more because it graphs like all of the PGA Tour players in their in their strokes gained. So, uh, shout out Data Golf. I'm definitely going to be playing around with that. Oh yeah, um, I saw that. Dude. I saw that today. That's, that's an awesome one. Yeah, I actually saw that today too. I bookmarked it. I was gonna read it later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um the really quick, the last thing that I wanted to say with regards to like dominant golf and how you can just lose it so fast. By the way, like two months ago I did say that I was bearish on John Rom, still bearish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, case in point this weekend. Can't be can't be winning everything forever. Just gonna say that. <laughs> yeah. Especially in today's field. It was a little bit different around Tiger's time. Bearish, so you don't think you think he's trending downwards he, he is definitely he's been trending downwards and i think he's still trending downwards a little bit but he might be on his way back up in in a couple months 
Interesting. Me personally. Me personally. But I was right the first time, so yeah. Well, I'm here to make another judgment. So yeah. He had he had the dip at the players. Um mm-hmm. granted he was sick, and then he bounced back up for the the masters and won it. Mm-hmm. And I would agree with Fultz. Yeah, you know, kind of since the Masters, it hasn't, it has, it hasn't been what we ex- expect out of John Rahm, which is winning every tournament he signs up for. Um, yeah, but I also but think- this one was definitely this one was definitely like a you know it it was going down, and this one kind of confirmed like hey, it's a, it's a little bit of downward trend. He's cooling, he's cooling off. Yeah, yeah. I think it was it would be a different story if he was you know two under, but he really let it go, and maybe it was a little bit of the conditions itself, but. Definitely didn't didn't seem to be the same guy that he was at the Masters. So yeah, curious to see where, where he's going to go. But thought that was interesting because it's you know he's he's somebody that you see out there like like Kepka in the Masters. I mean, it looked like nobody could stop him. You know what I mean? So it's interesting to see that contrast and how that how that mentality can kind of switch just that easily. Yeah. Um, Matt, Matt, you had a really good question about the PGA overall. What, what was that? I was I was about to ask that. The yeah. like I was thinking about it. Um you have let's let's start. You have the Masters. That's like the, the quintessential, like that's the golf tournament that everybody watches, everybody loves. You know, yeah. even if you're not a golf fan, you watch the Masters. It's just the pinnacle of golf. Yep. Of everything's perfect, everything's pristine. Yep. It's just, you know, for the patrons, for the golfers, it's just awesome. It has that going for it. The U.S. Open has like it gets harder as the days go on. The course ramps up in difficulty from Thursday to Sunday. Mm-hmm. Then you have like the U.S. Open. It's you know its identity is Lynx Golf, uh, or the, sorry, the Open Championship. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, the Open Championship. It it's it's you know quintessential Lynx Golf. It's you know as pure you know, the origins of golf. Yep. Um, you know what's the identity of the PGA Championship? And you know it's you know since moved to May. Um, it used to be at the end of the schedule. Now it's you know the second major of the year. Uh, for the this is the second year they've done that, correct? Second or yeah. third? Yeah. Second. Second, I believe. Yes. Um, second. you know what is you know is it kind of finding its foothold in in this slot in the schedule? And you know, it, I think these past two years kind of showed like its identity of like weeding out. It's like a weeder class almost. You know, it's like economics one hundred and one. <laughs> it's it, it it all those people who are like oh maybe i might do economics as a major and it's that you know it's it's real tough thursday and friday like if you want to make the cut you got to play really well but mm-hmm. come saturday and sunday there's scores to be had yeah, yeah. interesting I, I i don't i like that question a lot i yeah. think i think its identity is yeah it's it's like its identity is that we're going to compile a, a, a field of the top hundred golfers in the world. And um, while the course, while the courses may be as challenging or there may not be like an identity from a course standpoint, like Lynx golf in the open or, or brutally tough conditions in the U S open. I think it's like, we're going to give you guys um, a test that seems to at least the last six years, like make it so the best golfer wins. Right. And, um, I used to think that the players was more interesting to watch than the PGA. But then if you look at this, if you just look at what the PGA has given us, like the past six years, like Justin Thomas winning at Quail, Kepka back to back, Morikawa at Harding Park, Bill, the finish last year with Justin Thomas coming back, it's down seven. And then Kepka again this year, like fucking awesome 
golf. Uh, like yeah. School. So I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think it needs an identity to be an awesome event. And I think that, like what you said about, you know, it being challenging to make the cut, and it really does seem to make it so the cream rises to the top by the end, and we we get some pretty fun finishes. I just think it's a. It doesn't need an identity like that to to still be a awesome major championship and to me elevate itself like firmly above the players uh at least for my 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 opinion so yeah and if you look back pat like even before justin thomas you have winners like y yang granted he beat tiger woods but yeah y yang you got like jimmy walker even that first even that first justin thomas pga championship win was kind of like you know like jason duffner won it like (laughs) you know no slight to those guys they have a major but it just didn't feel like a major mm-hmm. at the end of the schedule. Mm-hmm. It just felt like another golf tournament. Yeah. I would say for the future of the tournament too, um, it's definitely trending in a, in a direction of kind of being the rule breaker a little bit, you know, with the, with the range finder starting out and kind of having a little bit of a different course layout and that kind of stuff. Um, like lacking an identity is a little bit of a rule breaker as well for a major. So I think maybe if they if they fall heavily, this is all theoretical, but if you know if they fall heavily into that, it could be a really cool addition to the majors because you get golf that you've never seen across the entire PGA Tour. You know, we like you said, this is the only tournament that has rangefinders. So if let's say just let's just say they fall into that a little bit harder and they make it you know slightly more unique in the next couple of year couple of years with that on top of having the the great golf that we that we've had the last six years it's going to stand out from the crowd for sure. Um, But I would agree that it doesn't really right now, it doesn't have its own like kind of unique thing that sets it apart um, other than just being a really tough course with great golfers, like every other tournament, you know, and maybe a little bit more history than some of the, some of the other ones, but I'm curious to see where it goes in the next couple of years. Cause it might be. Unlike John Rahm, it is very bullish right now (laughs) in my mind. Yes. (laughs) Uh, just to round us out, um, I got a few a few anecdotes. Uh, yeah. if, if you guys have any stories, but I'll I'm a, I got a couple here. We got uh, tired Oak Hill, wired Block Hill. <laughs> I got Min Woo wasn't a card holder, a PGA Tour card holder. Oh yeah, was my mind. Wow, well, had no idea. Now he is. <laughs> Tom Kim picking it out in the mud. <laughs> absolutely wonderful um and then my last one is i don't know if you guys noticed now we've talked a lot about kepka but he wasn't wearing any live gear mm. unlike all the other live golfers who had their team logo or the l on their shirt or something he didn't have anything i find that a little interesting i don't want to start any conspiracies but maybe it's a, uh, you know maybe nike has more money than live <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Interesting maybe, take. Maybe there's yeah. more that. There's, there, yeah, there yeah, might be something to monitor. Yeah, we should see. We should see what happens. Curious to see where that goes. And and then to add fuel to the fl- add fuel to the flame. We you know in the full swing episode with Brooks, he talked about like had he like had his surgery gone or not the surgery gone right, but like had his recovery been faster or something or what if he was recovered when this whole lifting was going down, like it would have played heavily in his decision. Yeah. All right. He didn't, he didn't think he could compete anymore. Yep. 
And maybe so. this, maybe Liv is the perfect recipe for Kepka, who doesn't really care about the week to week grind. And you know, maybe he can kind of go relax and have fun more at the live events, use them as proxies and kind of tune his game up, you know, and just prepare for major championships. And maybe this is, maybe that's the recipe for him for success. That's, you know, maybe doesn't work for other golfers who like, you know, need the reps at high pressure situations. Maybe just having a year that's built around preparing for major championships and the rest kind of being more fun and laid back. Maybe that's, maybe that's his recipe. I don't know. Yeah. We, we might, very well see the first season grand slam out of somebody who's a live golfer who can take who's not required to play in any of the other pga tour events can take the time to kind of you know mess around in a sense right of you know not really having to take things fully seriously and work and work on the game in the meantime and then just shows up an absolute dart at every single major and just plays out of his mind you know there's kind of a recipe there's kind of a recipe there where just unbelievably dominant golf in majors. Who knows? We'll find out. He's 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 setting the, the path for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys have any anecdotes from the week? Anything uh, that caught your eye? Anything small? Anything large? No, I think we covered it, think we covered it well. We got um, I would say coming up here in TIO news, we got uh, we got a lot of stuff going on this weekend. We're gonna have an episode. A little early episode out uh, this weekend as well, so definitely look forward to that. I won't spoil anything because I don't want to get anybody too excited, but we got a lot of stuff going on this weekend that'll be that'll be some great content, and definitely look forward to to that. I'm just gonna yeah, just to add on to that. You know, get some hit the ATM up here in the next week and get some cash ready because we'll have some we'll have some ideas of how you might want to put that cash to work. Yes. Oh, yeah. Of course. We've got a couple we got a couple investments that you should, you should buy it. <laughs> keep keep your eyes and ears open. Yes. Um uh, hey, I think hey, invest in John Rom. <laughs> I just want to say hey, thanks guys for uh humoring me for the for the evening about the PGA championship. Really enjoyed talking to you as always. It's been a no great problem. another episode. And are we ready for the block party next year at Valhalla? Yes, let's get it. We're ready get for the, the block party like at Colonial this week, yeah, in a couple of weeks, and at Valhalla next year. It's it's a block parties. Party doesn't party doesn't stop, baby. It's it's stop. Somebody grab the beer. I'll grab the ice. Somebody bring the coolers. Yes. And we just need one more for the lawn chair. Hopefully, somebody out there will bring the lawn chairs. All right. I'll, I'll bring the block. <laughs> cheers, cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. cheers. Good episode.